With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for joining us for what would be another impactful edition of Sound of Strength Midweek Online Devotion by Wale Adeniron. We believe that what you're about to listen to will equip and empower you for today and for your future. Do follow along and enjoy. I tempered the storm Though your faith was small I pray while you slept And the night waged war We stood in the fire And we walked on sea And we drank of the wine That was made of
Hallelujah. Good morning, wherever you're joining me from. This is Wale Adinaran. You're welcome to Sound of Strength this very beautiful Wednesday morning. It is the very first Wednesday of the month of March in this year, 2022. And as we gather around the name of Jesus, His Word, His Spirit, His personality, this day we are going to be refreshed. Bible says that they go from strength to strength, all of them that appear before God in Zion. As we come under the umbrella of what the God of heaven is saying, I say to you, your life will not remain the same, but you are strengthened, you are favored, you are receiving grace. The word of God tells us that grace and peace is multiplied unto us when we hear the word of God, when we receive the word of God. So today you are receiving grace. We're receiving unmerited goodness in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare that mercy is showing up for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless your name. We glorify your name for this beautiful opportunity to gather around your word. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, because we are not alone. Thank you, Lord, because we are blessed with your very presence. Glory to your name, O God. In the name of Jesus. This morning, Father, we ask, O oh God, that you grant unto us the working of your spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we will see what you're saying and be transformed thereby. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And the people of God said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome once again. This is Wale Adinro. And today, uh, I want to wish you firstly a happy new month. It is the very first Sound of Strength episode for this month, and we are continuing from where we left off last Wednesday. We have been on this study called Colossians, the study series. We're uh, wrapping up next Wednesday, so we have two Wednesdays to go, including today. So as we go ahead, please pick up your Bibles as we go into the Word. Today we're going to um, conclude on chapter 2 and also go into chapter 3. Book of Colossians has four chapters. And the book of Colossians is a book in which uh, Paul wrote to people he had never seen before. Uh, as history has it, Epaphras was the one who received the light of the gospel, got saved, and began to preach to the people. Later, the Bible uh, shows us that Epaphras was in the same place with Paul, was in prison in what is an house arrest. What was an house arrest? So that was not a full incarceration. But their mobility was ended. He and Paul were in the same house arrest. And uh, he met Paul there and convinced Paul to write a letter that was going to be delivered through one of the uh, uh, disciples of Paul called Onesimus. We see that that name also appears in the book of Philemon. And Onesimus is the one who delivered this letter of uh, what we call the book of Colossians to the land of Colossae. So the people of Colossae had never seen Paul. They had known Epaphras, who got them saved, who was the man of God over their lives. But the, the knowledge, the understanding, the revelation of Paul was now needed by Epaphras to help those people to be delivered from what is called dualism. And um, dualism is a concept where people see spiritual things and earthly things as very different. The spiritual things are good, but the earthly things are evil. And that the spiritual things, God cannot interfere or God cannot connect with spiritual things. Because man and everything on the earth is actually dirty, actually very sinful. 
So God will now put angels in charge to interfere or to oversee the things of man and even angels will be the ones to make man. This was their wrong belief. So they had this wrong concept and the understanding they had, even when they got saved, they carried it over to see themselves as impure. They got into what is called uh, angel worship, seeing angels as the, the creators that they had. You know, when people get saved, not everything you believe wrongly leaves you suddenly. What you need is right uh, preaching, right teaching, right understanding that comes through a person who knows the word of God and also your own commitment to studying that word. So this is what Paul is doing, trying to clarify what happened to them when they got saved and how to live a Christian life that produces the result that is promised in the Bible. So we want to continue from what we left off. We're in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and um, we stopped at verse 6 uh, last time uh, teaching on those things. So we're in verse 7 and I read, we also concluded on, on verse 7, we finished verse 7. So let's just go ahead um, from verse 7 it says, I'll read from verse 6, it says, As you therefore have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principle of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So this is Paul writing and trying to clarify this issue of them thinking that God is very far from them because God cannot relate with them. They did not understand that God beyond that didn't just come to relate with them. God took up human flesh. He became man in the person of Jesus who came on earth. And beyond God coming to be with us, God is now in us through the person called the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So Paul is trying to tell them here that they should leave those uh, wrong philosophies. Uh, when he wrote this word, the word here, he used the word philosophy, is uh, from this concept that the Jewish people took. They had something called sophistry. Sophistry is... Uh, this, this kind of sophistry is merely a Jewish sophistry. Sophistry is an art of um, making sure that truths or facts are always brought under suppositions. They are always brought under lack of clarity. Sophistry, in essence, says might is right. Sophistry doesn't agree that something can be right. It says the best way to handle things to say, to say, is to say that it might be right. So. There is no conclusion in sophistry. There is no right and wrong in sophistry. Might is right in sophistry. So when Paul said that beware of vain philosophy, the word he's talking about is the Jewish sophistry, which will tell the people, well, you might not be sure about this. It might not be that Jesus is the only way. It might not be that this is the total truth. Paul said, everything that fights against your assurance is an enemy of the gospel. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through sophistry and empty deceit. So he says you will be cheated. You will be robbed of the blessings that are in Christ, the promises of God in Christ, if you hold on to beliefs that cut away your, sure, your surety, your assurance. And he says, 
He says, so those things are according to the, the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. He says, because in Christ Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he says in verse 10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So he's telling you that Jesus is not far away. That neither is Jesus um, someone who saved you, yet you're still under angelic forces like the people believe. He's saying you don't have to go through angels. In fact, angels are below you because he says Jesus is the head of all principality and all power. The word principality is the word, with word arch. We get the word archangel, archbishop, arch whatever. Ark means first in place. So even if you're thinking that, well, um, angel Michael is an archangel, angel Gabriel is an archangel, and he's over me, he's looking over me, and I have to pray through him to God, like some people do, he's saying that is vain because God, Jesus, let me say that again, God is represented fully in Christ, and this Jesus, you are now in him, you are now in Christ. You are now one with this Jesus, and this Jesus is the head. The word head here means is above all principality. Is one is the one that is above all of them. Is above all principality and power. Glory to God. That tells you you and I. That tells every believer that we start our relationship with God being superior to every spiritual force. Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter one, it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In chapter 2 of that Ephesians, it says, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ. So we are far above every, every force. We are far above every good angel. We are far above every demonic force that is in the heavenly realm, in the atmospheric realm. We are far above every spirit of darkness. You started your spiritual life being above them. You don't try to pray to be above spirits of darkness. You don't even try to pray to be above them in, in, in whatever they are doing. You are already above them. Your prayer is your enforcement of your spiritual reality. That you are saying the spiritual reality should now become what takes place in my earthly reality. Praise God. Every good angel, every holy angel in heaven is not even near to you in terms of Kedah, in terms of ranking. As Jesus is, the Bible says, so are you in this world. The Bible says you are made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. The same image that Jesus has is your own image. No angel has that image. So if the holy angels are not even near to you in ranking, how much more the fallen angels who have been kicked out of heaven. Child of God, you are far above all the spirit of darkness that you think are beyond you. Glory to God. Verse 11 of this Colossians chapter 2 says, In him, who is that person? In Jesus, he's talking about, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So he's talking about the fact that you don't need a physical circumcision. The physical circumcision that the Jewish people went through was a symbolism of something that God wanted them to represent, which is that they have put off the natural life. They put off the natural life. They now have the supernatural life that is of God. That is what Christ represents for us. It says that you were circumcised not by, by putting off of the body of, of, not by hand, sorry, but by the putting off of the body of sin of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, 
buried how so he's telling us how that happened buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of god who raised him from the dead says your your baptism is a representation of the fact that you died with christ and the coming out of the water in that baptism is symbolic that you are resurrected with christ verse 13 and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven all of your trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were was against us which was contrary to us he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it those verses i just read are loaded it says you are you were you are now dead in your trespasses you've been dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh the trespasses talks about your sin but the uncircumcision of your flesh talks about your nature of being separated from god your nature that that nature of being separated from god you're now dead to that nature you're also now dead to the sin that you were guilty of you are now separated from it he says how did that happen he says that when jesus died he died on your behalf when he was resurrected he was resurrected on your behalf and because death is the final blow that sin can give to a human being you have already suffered that death in christ he says what now jesus did is that he wiped out the handwritings of requirements that were against us what is he talking about bible says that when he died to uh to on the cross what he did is that he fulfilled all the law now a dead man does not walk by the law if you were arrested in the united states and you were charged a life or dead by 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 um by hanging or dead by whatever means you see when that person dies that person is now free in wherever they are they are now free of the law of the land of america they are now free of the rights of americans because they have now exited the land of america to the land of the great beyond bible says your new land is your heavenly place in christ jesus bible says when you when you got born again you were free from the law of this world the law of sin and death the law of thou shalt uh, be stoned if you do this thou shalt not kill now you are free from that law someone says well so do you mean now if someone is born again you can now steal well the new nature you have does not steal does not cheat does not destroy you now have the resurrected life bible says that when christ died he look at those words again in verse 13 in verse 14 he says having wiped out the handwritings of requirement that were against us what does that mean what are, what were the handwritings in the old scripture there was only one handwriting that god put out as a requirement the handwriting was put out by god in the writing of the ten commandments that is the handwriting that no one again could put out but god himself bible says that when christ died he put out that handwriting of requirement. Why? He says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us. You see, he says it was against us, which was contrary to us. What does it mean? It was contrary. It was not working beneficial for us. The work of the law was to show you your sin, but it was also giving strength to the powers of darkness. How do we know that? First Corinthians 15 verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin, 
and the strength of sin is the law. Do you hear that? The strength of sin is the law. So when an accuser at law comes against you, a lawyer says, I'm accusing this man of wrongdoing, he's a murderer, what do they use? They use the law to convict you or to try to convict you. Jesus said, I remove those laws against the person that is a believer. That's why Paul would say, the law is not for the righteous man. Why? Because that man, that righteous man, you have died. You have died. Oh boy. The, the law is not for the righteous because the righteous person has already fulfilled the law through Christ who fulfilled it for him. When Christ died, he died for you. He fulfilled the law for you. Praise God. So you don't have, you're not bounded by that law any longer. You're not bound by what is called what? The law of faith. But some people will say, well, so you're saying I'm no longer bound to any law. I can do anything. The law of faith only works by love. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, faith works by love. Look at the, with me. If you look at later. You can look at in the book of First Timothy 1 verse 9 where it says the law is not for a righteous man. So now that you're a righteous man, you're not living by the law of thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That was the strength of Satan. So whenever you make a mistake, the devil can use it against you. God now says, you are, you are now bound by the law of faith. And what does the law of faith do? It says, because Jesus did it, I believe in Jesus. Because this law of faith is the law of faith in the blood of Jesus. It's the law of faith in the blood of Jesus. Your faith is not just faith in something. Faith in just positive thinking. No, it is the law of faith in the blood of Jesus. If you look at the book of Romans chapter 5, uh, it talks about, in chapter 5, it says, Having then been justified by the blood. It first says in chapter uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Being then justified by faith, we have peace with God. But later, it doesn't just stop there. It says, This justification by faith is justification by faith in the blood. That's verse 9 of Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, I say that again. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, You are justified by faith. But verse 9 now explains what that faith is. It says it is faith in the blood. So now your new life is a life of not living by to-dos, but a life of living by faith in the blood. If a person lives by faith in the blood, the, the, the faith cannot work except you are a person who understands the nature you now have, the nature of love. Faith will work by love. Now that you are a love being, you are made the way God is. God is love. You will now function in love and you will not see yourself. Your skin tone will not change. Your eyes will not glow tomorrow because you got saved. You have to function in that way, believing that you are now a God man. You're now a God lady. You now have that God nature on your inside. Allow that unseen truth to rule your life. Why? Faith that you're living by now is the substance of things for the evidence of things not seen. Oh, glory to God. So it says, Jesus has wiped out that handwriting. No one could wipe it out. So we are not the ones. No charismatic church, no Pentecostal church, no Protestant church changed it and said we are not under the law any longer. The, the person who is not born again needs the law. The law is the convicting force for the person who is not born again. How shall a person know that they are against God, they are living in sin, except there's a law? So we don't trust the law. The Bible says the law is not for a righteous man. Praise God. But now, you are now living by faith. Jesus removed the handwritings of, of the law that were not convenient, that were contrary. The Bible says, I didn't say so. The Bible says the law was contrary. That's what it means by the handwriting. No other handwriting that were requirements for any person who was going to serve God. 
Now look, he says, in, he's talking about that same handwriting. He says it was contrary against us, still verse 14, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. What did he nail to the cross? The hand that wrote the handwriting was nailed to the cross. The hand, both the hand, is the hand that can do the handwriting. The hand that wrote that handwriting, gave that handwriting of the Ten Commandments, had a nail to the cross. Where's God? The hand of Jesus. Verse 15 says, having disarmed. So he's saying, saying here that in Jesus being nailed to the cross, he disarmed principality past. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This is beautiful. This is heavy. He says, in that thing he did, he removed all the bullets in the gun of Satan. All that Satan has right now is a very big gun with no bullets. He has disarmed, he has disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle. So let's start from how he disarmed. By making sure all they used. Remember the Bible says again in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, The strength of sin is the law. He has removed the law that was used as condemnation against you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is nothing that the accuser of the brethren at law, the accuser of the brethren at law, needs the law to accuse you. That accuser has now been disarmed. The Bible says he disarmed principalities and powers. Look at what it says. He made a public spectacle of them over, over them in it. He says he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. How? He died. He took away the law. Then he resurrected. He overcame the strength. The Bible says the sting of death is sin. Oh boy. Oh, This is true word. This is powerful word. This is how the believer knows what is his. This is how the believer knows what is his own. This is how the believer knows what is his blessing. This is how the believer knows what has been made available. He says in that first Corinthians 15 verse 56, he says it this way actually, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. So if death wants to catch you, it releases sin into your life. But how does sin get into your life? The Bible now says, and the strength of sin is the law. So if I release a sting into your life called sin, it's supposed to bring you to death. So the death that sin was supposed to do, Jesus died that death for us. He now overcame death by resurrecting on the third day. That's why the Bible says, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh glory to God. This is why the Bible is interesting. This is why God is the most calculated personality in the whole universe and beyond. He says in verse 55 of this 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Why? Because Jesus triumphed. Where the devil thought he had caught Jesus, even the, the, the last ditch effort of Satan is death. Remember in the book of John 10 verse 10, he says, Jesus said, The thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. So the eternal destruction that Satan said, I'm not going to go down alone in this eternal destruction. I'm going to kill the believer through the law. And he's not just going to live his life. He's going to die an unfulfilled life. He's going to be separated from God. Then he's going to end in damnation. The Bible says, having the same principalities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Jesus overcame hell. He overcame eternal destruction because it was justified by the Holy Spirit to say this one ought not to be in hell. He has paid all the price for sin and now he has overpaid. Let him come out. He has done his old sentence because his life 
is far bigger than the sin he was to pay for. He has paid for the sin and overpayment and he can now come out as the justified one representing all humanity. Praise God. Let's go to verse 16 of this Colossians 2. It says, So let no man judge you in drink, sorry, in food, nor in drink, or regarding a festival, a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are the shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. So it says, Let no man judge you by the Old Testament laws. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding those things which the, he has no, not seen really puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast the head for whom all the body from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grow with the increase that is from god so you see what we introduced earlier in the introduction so it says because all these things you now know your place it says let no man cheat you of your reward how it says by false humility and the worship of angels. So remember we talked about duality at the beginning. That these people believed in that angels were the intermediary between God and man. Because God is too pure. He says, and they begin to now worship angels. Oh, we are not pure enough to reach to God. But let the angel talk to us. And, and you see some people even talk through uh, Mary. They talk to and Jesus is saying, through Paul, let no one cheat you. He's going to rob you of the access you have to God. He's going to rob you of your divine DNA. You're not an impure person that God is trying to talk to through an intermediary called angels. No, there's only one mediator between God and man. The Bible says, it says that person is the man, Jesus. Let no one rob you in all those things, in all this fleshly activity. The Bible says in angel worship, in will worship. It says in humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things that he has not seen, vainly popped up in his, flesh, in his fleshly mind. It says, what should you do? He says, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joint and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So he says, you cannot hold on to the head. He says, whatever you, you are doing that is contrary to the scriptures is because you are not holding to the head. You cannot hold on to the head, which is Christ. And be able to continue in those things. Some people go for a seminar, they go for a teaching, they go for a conference. They find truths that are actually revelatory. Show them that their way of worship has been erroneous. But it's, they, they go like, hmm, hmm. But you know what they do? They don't hold on to Christ. They, they get revelations of the fact that this is the way of the Bible. All you've been worshipping in, the style of worship you've been uh, used to, you were taught from the beginning was wrong. It's not scriptural. You know what they do? Mm, mm, but they don't hold on to the head. It says, why do people do this? It's not holding fast. I mean, verse 19. Not holding fast to the head. Not holding fast. It's telling you that the only way you can get into wrong way of worship, wrong patterns of worship, idolatry Christianity, so to say, and there should not be anything like that. We've seen a lot of that. What you're doing, you cannot get into such things except you are not holding fast. To the head it says whatever you don't see in the head leave it whatever you don't see in christ leave it whatever you don't see in the gospels in, in the in the new testament in the epistles i meant to say leave it it's only possible that we have different doctrines here and there because we don't hold on to the head and the head is christ 
That is what the Bible is calling you to do. It says, hold on. Hold fast to the head. If you don't hold fast to Jesus, you have Jesus plus. What do I mean by Jesus plus? Different men's suggestions. Vain humility sounding teachings. And uh, concussions. Manufactured styles of worship. Manufactured prayer points. Manufactured prayer ministries. Manufactured uh, artifacts of faith. Manufactured systems to get God to move when God not, doesn't mean to move again. Manufactured things about, about, and programs. Manufactured beliefs. When God is already inside of you, you are expecting him to come down. And the Bible says, the old God is in Christ and Christ is in you. Manufactured revival topics that are not in the Bible. Why? Because we don't hold on to the head. We hold on to our feelings. Tucked up in our minds. Our minds tell us we need to, if, if, if God was on this earth, men, that youth will be changed. Let's pray that God will come down amongst our youth. But the principle is talking, unfortunately, is on is on unlearned about the fact that this God is trying to bring down is already in him or her. The reality is now how to manifest this God. But you cannot manifest a God who you don't know is already on your inside. Praise God. You cannot. You need to know who you are. You need to know what God is doing on your inside. You need to know the location of God right now. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. The ignorance of Christ in you, the hope of glory, is Christ in you. Yes, there is still shame. There is still lack. There is still disturbances that the enemy is bringing that ought to be counted by you by faith. Look at verse uh, 20. We're still in verse 20. It says, therefore, if you died go to verse 20 therefore if you died with christ verse 20 of colossians chapter 2 therefore if you died with christ from the basic principles of the world why as though living in the world do you subject yourself do you subject yourself to regulations which are do not touch do not taste do not handle which all concerning things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He says, if you are, if you are, you've died with Christ, why do you now subject yourself to basic principles of this world? Do not touch, do not taste. You're thinking, the thing you did not touch, the water, the kind of uh, thing you did not drink, the kind of food you did not eat is what makes you um, accepted before God. He says no. Totally no. He says those things are elementary things of this world. And the believer needs to start knowing these things. If not, there are too many things you're trying to do to please God, which God never asked of you. He uses this words, and look also, if you go to Galatians 4 verse 9. He says, but now, Galatians 4 verse 9 says, but now, after that you have known God, or rather that you are known of God, I'll turn you again to the weak, beggarly elements whereunto you were. You desire again to be in bondage. It says, You observe days, months, and times of the year. I'm afraid lest I have labored in you in vain. Uh, labored up upon you in vain. That's Galatians 4, verse 9 to 11. So Paul is talking about you trying to keep to the law of the Old Testament. He says, That is how a person gets into 
rudiments of the world that are in vain. Touch not and do not taste not. Now look at verse 23. It says, Which things are indeed a show of wisdom in real worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to satisfying of the flesh. He says, Those things don't handle, don't do, don't touch, don't. Oh boy. He says, They have a show. <laughs> they have a show. They have a show of wisdom in real worship. The word here is real worship. It's your will. It's your will that told you. It's your mind that got you to that, not the word of God. It's your own renewed mind. He calls it real worship. They have a show of wisdom. It looks smart. It looks wise to do. It looks like something God will like. To say, oh, we are not worthy. Oh, we are, we are, we are still beggarly elements before God. Oh, we need this this angel to talk to all, to talk to God for on our behalf. We will beg angel, angels to talk to God. We will, we will talk to Mary to speak on our behalf. We know that we are not clean. Paul said, those things are the show of wisdom in we worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor of the satisfying of the flesh. So the person will, will not take the kind of things they want to take, will not eat some kind of food to say, oh, this is what God wants. He says it has a show, but it's actually wrong. A lot of Christians think if something looks humble, then it's of God. There are a lot of things that look humble that are not of God. A lot of things that sound humble are not of God. The fact that someone says, I'm below this thing doesn't mean they are right. The fact that someone in trying to please God says, oh, I, I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of this. Doesn't mean they are right. The fact that a person says, God, I know that you might not answer me. <laughs> you might not answer me because I've sinned. You might not answer me because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pleasing to you. The fact that a person says so and they sound holy and humble doesn't mean they are right. In fact, God does not answer you because you are holy by your actions. God answers you because Christ is holy and you are in Christ. Praise God. God answers you because you are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, not if you, after you've done many good things, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. God is a new species. Someone says, well, that's true. But I have done other things when I became one in Christ. Well, those other things you did are on your flesh. They are in your soul. They affected your soul. But God, the Bible says, God settles the heart. God is a spirit and relates with you spirit to spirit. Man is a spirit that has a soul, lives in a body. Your soul might be unrenewed, but the way God relates to you is he relates to you through your spirit. Now, if you begin to acknowledge the reality of what happened to your spirit when you got born again, you begin to get things that you don't deserve because in your spirit, you have the God of heaven whose presence you don't even deserve. And he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Glory to God. Now, let's go to chapter 3. Because here he says, uh, we're still continuing. He says, uh, these things have a show. They have a show, but they're not actually right. Now, chapter 3 is the continuation. Remember, these books of the Bible or these chapters were never written as chapters. They were just a letter. And men put chapters and verses there so that we can find portions of scripture easier. Look at what it says. Verse chapter 3, verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, you hear those words. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
So, do you see now? It's now telling you now shit. It first starts with a correction. It starts with a rebuke. You are not supposed to look at yourself and try to um, connect to God through outward actions. It says Jesus did completely everything that is necessary for a man to connect to God. All the other things, the feast days, the 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 calendar days that were feast days for the Hebrew people were things to symbolize one person who is Christ. He now says, now I'm going to introduce you to your reality. He says, if you are now risen with Christ, change your perspective. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. So he says, your real state now is not earthly. Your real state now is divine. If you relate with God this way, you begin to see all the promises of God begin to play out one after the other in your life. The world you are in is trying to convince you that you're just a mere human and you're going through a lot, a lot of trouble. You're going through hardship. There's no job in the country. How are my children going to grow up? Am I going to get married? Am I going to stay married? The divorce rate now is very high. You know what you're doing? You're looking around. You're looking around. You're looking elder-skelter. Bible says, if you are now risen, seek those things. Change your focus. Seek those things that are above. What you look at is what you are transformed into. Bible says, we as building in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image from glory to glory. So what you are looking at, what you are viewing, what you are focusing on, what you are gazing at, is determining the outcome of your life. You see, well, we can't neglect the truth of what we are going through. It's true. We don't neglect it. We overcome it. Hallelujah. We don't neglect what we see on this earth. We overcome it. Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5, it says, This is the victory that overcomes the world. That is our faith. So how do you get your faith to overcome the ills of this world? By changing your focus to what God says is real about you. It says, if you are seated in heaven, in, in heaven with Christ, it says, seek those things that are at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, how? Set your affections on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Very amazing. The Bible tells you and I here that we have the ability to set our affections. Other versions of scripture say, set your mind. The New King James says, set your mind. The NASB, the NIV, they all say, set your mind. That tells you that you and I will not have the ability to set our minds. The believer has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose how his mindset is shaped. If not, God will not tell you that because you are now in heavenly places, you are now risen with Christ, that you should set your mind. Child of God, your mindset is what forms your life set. Your mindset shapes your life. As a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. Now, the word of God is telling you, you have the ability, the capacity, the functionality to change how you think. Are you seeing what the Bible is saying here? He's saying, forget how you used to worship. Forget what you were taught. He says, now, the outcomes of your life are going to be determined by the setting of your mind. And the setting of your mind is not left to happenstance, to circumstances, to chance. It's left in your care. You are responsible. Look at what it says, verse 3. For you are dead. You are dead. Praise God. You do see in chapter 2, he talks about if you are dead. He says you are dead. He says you are dead in chapter 2. Chapter 3 says you are dead. 
the believer has now gotten a doctrine that is very popular, been popular for years, which is the doctrine of being dying to the flesh. There is no scripture where it says you should die to the flesh. One very much uh, well wrongly interpreted scripture is where Paul said, I die daily. And when Paul said, I die daily, he didn't just say, I die daily and full stop, no. When he said, I die daily, he said that after he said, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten with rods, I've been in chains, I've been robbed. He now said, I die daily. He was using a figure of speech, which is that I go through near-death experiences every day, physically. That's what he was saying. He was using a figure of speech to say, I go through near-death experiences. So if God says you have died, and you are praying to God that, God, may I let me die, help me to die to the flesh. What is happening is that you are praying something that cannot be registered in heaven, because God answers prayers that are registered by scripture. The scriptures must be what your prayers are in line with. When you're words in prayer are not in line with what God says, they don't register. You don't go to a court of law and say, I want this, this, and that. You must file the case and quote what the law of the land says that allows you to be able to claim that thing or that uh, want that you are demanding for. So, you saying you want to die to the flesh is not scriptural. You can try to think about this, but check out the scriptures and you will see that you pray that because you heard other people that you trust in you respect praying that and it sounds humble you see these are the things that sound humble in the body of christ but it's not scripture look at what it says continually it says for you are dead and your life is hid with christ in god so you are dead but you have a life he says that life is now hid with christ in god wow double sense of being hidden hid in christ in god hid with christ in god that is a divine security a divine security of your eternal life. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life? Who is your life? Christ. These are scriptures where we got the name for this ministry, Life Tribe. When Christ, who is our life? Christ is our life. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear within in glory. So, these four verses summarize how a Christian's life ought to be. It says, set your affection, knowing that you have a new life, you are seated in heavenly places, understand the culture of heaven, understand the realities of heaven, now set your mind, set your mind based on the truth of heaven, and it says, your mind will now bring about words out of your mouth. How? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It says, recognize that your life is not what the doctor says. The doctor says, you have cancer, you have fibroids, you might not survive this operation. Well, my life is Christ. Christ is my life. If Christ could die and resurrect, and the resurrection life of Christ is in me. The resurrection life of Christ can overpower every dictate of my natural body. Therefore, I'm saying to this body, the life that I have is not my blood system. The life that I have is the life of Christ. Praise God. Now look at what it says. It says, when Christ who is alive shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. Verse, um, verse 5 says, mortify therefore your members. Do you hear what it says? He says, therefore, because of the fact, the truth that have been stated, now says mortify. Mortify. The word mortify means put to death. Now, look at where people will say, well, he just told you, you can die to the flesh. He never said die to the flesh. He said you have died. He now says mortify. How do you mortify something? By not feeding the thing. How do you ensure something dies? If you put a rat in the cage and don't feed that rat, it dies. So, he's saying, don't feed these members. What does it mean? He says, 
Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he says, when you're feeding yourself with movies that arouse ungodly sexual passions, he says, you are actually strengthening that thing, you're not deadening that thing. God says, you now have the capacity, the ability, the capability to mortify these things, these this natural fleshly tendencies by taking your spiritual nature and trumping your fleshly nature with the spirit realm. Oh boy. He says you can mortify. How? Don't feed it. Look at verse 6. So it doesn't tell you in verse 5 that you should kill, you should die to the flesh. It says, mortify the feelings, mortify the flesh. Verse 6 says, For which things sake the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. So people say, well, I hear people preaching that if you are a born-again person and you get into sexual immorality, you you are if you're saved, you if you're saved before you're still saved. And they say that is blasphemy, that is wrong scripture. And they quote scriptures like this, and you can only wrongly get the scripture, or you can wrongly interpret the scripture if you are not given to Bible study or right interpretation or rightly dividing the word of truth. Because it says here, it didn't say if you fall into this. God is against all these things. But in case a believer falls into uncleanness, in case a believer falls into covetousness, you see, it doesn't say the person is going to help. Please hear this. So people that quote it will say, you see, fornication will lead to wrath of God. They don't quote covetousness. They don't quote uh, evil concupiscence. They don't quote these things. They don't say covetousness will lead to hell. They just quote fornication because fornication is actually... Um, most more serious in the sins why the bible says that the sin that is done outside of the body is another kind of sin but the sin in the body is actually uh impurifying the body of god because your body is the temple of god all right so they quote the one that is seeming heavier and they don't quote that paul said all these things lead to the wrath of god so they say well <laughs> those things are heresy that a man a woman commits uh, fornication and adultery and rapture trumpets blows two hours after uh, and they go to hell they go to heaven no it's going to hell straight well that means every covetous person too should go to hell straight you're coveting something that is not yours you wish that person's iphone 13 was yours you covet it so strongly covet is to have strong desire yeah, you should go to hell the same way the man who just fornicated the woman who just fornicated but is born again should go to hell well that is not what the Bible says here. It says in verse 6 again of Colossians 3, it says, For which things the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Do you hear those words? It comes on who? The children of disobedience. It didn't say it comes on those who disobey. It says it comes on the people who are the DNA of disobedience. That DNA of disobedience is the thing called being a child of disobedience. You are a child of the devil if you're not saved there is no scripture that calls the believer a child of disobedience you are called the sons of life the children of god oh boy you are called the children of the god and father of our lord jesus christ no believer is termed or described in scripture as a child as a child of disobedience but he's telling you here that these things actually strengthen the sinner to live in sin the enjoyment they have in sin, strengthening them to live in sin. Says, this is why they don't get saved. This is why they don't want to turn from their evil ways. And for this reason, the wrath of God comes upon the children. 
of disobedience. I hope you got that. You need to share this with somebody so that they can understand what the Bible says about these things. Is God against idolatry? Oh yes, is God against uh, uh, inordinate affections, fornication, immorality? Totally against it. Because it affects the believer very strongly. It affects what God wants to do in your life. It affects God's program and God's plan because you are an agent of God. The agent of God is, that is malfunctioning is delaying the processes and the work of God. And God has to go work with another person. So you are truncating your eternal rewards. You are truncating and it can lead to backslidion, but it doesn't mean the person has backslided. How did you get into Christ? You believed, you confessed, you said, this is my, my life. You don't backslide by doing wrong. You backslide by no longer believing. But with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You need to also unbelieve to become unrighteous. So you don't do things to get saved. Therefore, you don't also do things to get unsaved. You have to use your heart to stop believing in the efficacy, in the effectiveness of the blood of Jesus. Remember, Romans 5 verse 9 says, what we have is faith in the blood. The just shall live by faith. You are saved by grace through faith. Someone says, but, well, but faith without works is dead. Well, when James said that, it was not contradicting what Paul said. The scriptures don't contradict each other. Paul was talking about what gets you connected to God. James was talking about what gets you to show your salvation that is inward. Now show it on the outward. He says, if you say to one person who is, uh, is sick, who is hungry, who is cold, go, be fed, be warm. He says, that's wrong because you have not helped the person. He says, when you begin to now do good works, your faith is now being activated, is now being manifest, is now being shown because the person does not see your heart. God sees your heart that you are righteous, but no one sees your good works. Your faith is dead to the human eyes, but to God is still alive. So faith being dead, if your faith might be in you, but you might not know how to practice it. Therefore, you might not know how to use your faith for healing. Faith for finances, faith to get married. Faith is not saying you don't have faith, it's just that you don't use your faith. Remember, Jesus would say to the people who said, Master, we are perishing in this sea. The waters are blowing boisterously. They're coming into the, water, the boat. Don't you care? Jesus calmed the storm and said, All you of little faith. That means they had faith. Because Jesus said, If you have faith as small as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall see unto this mountain. So they had the faith. But the use of the faith was what they did not have. If you were someone who did not hear what Jesus said, you would have said, well, these people did not have faith. They were in the sea, they were in the storm, they could not do anything. Only Jesus did. That means they did not have faith. Jesus said they had faith, but their use, their application, their working of what they have was their problem. So Paul is talking about faith that God sees, that gets you justified. James is talking about faith that works on the outward. That solves a lot of problems. That answers a lot of questions and a lot of controversies that people think are in scriptures or controversial doctrines that are not in line with scripture. Praise, praise God. Oh, glory to God. Someone needed to hear that. Now, we're in verse 7. It says, In the which, so he's talking about those wrong things, in the which you walk sometime when you lived in them. So he's talking about your past life. You get that. Verse 8. But now you also put off all this. I'll read that again. But now you also put off all this anger. Rough, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of thing. Go and get yourself rid of this thing by, by so much, so much, so much rigor. Is using words like put off. <laughs> the way you put off your clothes, it's put off. 
That is so much confidence that God has in the believer. God has so much confidence in you, not because you are strong, but because the Holy Spirit is enough. Oh boy. God has so much confidence in you, not because you are strong, but because the Holy Spirit of God on your inside is enough. That is why it's called the Holy Spirit. He's the one who helps the believer to live holy. So God says you can put it off. Come on, you can put it off. He says put off. He now says as you're putting off these things, this wrong communication, wrath, malice, he says put on the new man. Put on. What does it mean to put on something? Wear it. You say, well, it doesn't feel like me. I'm saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm saying I'm a temperate man. I'm saying I have a godly temper. It doesn't feel like me. It doesn't really feel like I know myself. That's not my true self. God says, well, that's your true self. It's in your spirit, but you need to put it on on your body now. Put it on on your outward life. You might not feel that way, but put it on. The more you put it on, you will be transformed even in your soul. And you will know that your real self is now being activated. Just put it on. Put on your new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, it says the new man is renewed in knowledge. That means the knowledge gap between your spirit and your body is the problem. Between your spirit and your body is your soul. The knowledge gap in that soul is the problem. It says, put it on. How do you put on the new man that is Christ? It says, by knowledge. By knowledge. And by knowledge. The key thing for the believer is knowledge. Without knowledge, your desires become wishes. Without knowledge, your prayers become just chants. Without knowledge, your cry becomes just a tingling symbol. Without knowledge, the believer is weakened, though he is powerful in the spirit man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. We're going to stop here for today. We're going to conclude. Next week, we're going to have to wrap up this old chapter and chapter 4. As we round up on the book of Colossians. I believe this has been a good teaching that has helped you this morning. I believe that this word is something you should play over and over again. Meditate on this word. Because in this truth are vital applications for whatever you're going through. And even how to work out your own life. Live your own life. Live the Christian life. The life of the believer is not a life that is trying to get things done. It's a life that is trying to manifest what God has done. Life of the believer is not a life that is trying to get God to be pleased. It's a life in which you started in God. As one in one, God is well pleased. Because God is pleased with Jesus and you are in Jesus, God is pleased with all that is in Christ. God is pleased with you. Hallelujah. Can you we pray this morning? Can we just pray? Just bless God for the next 20 seconds. Just magnify God for the things you've heard. Say back to God the things you've heard. Declare them back to God and say, Lord, this is the reality you have. I accept it. I proclaim it this day. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing of your word. Thank you for this blessing of your truth. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your life. Thank you, Lord, because in Jesus I'm complete. Thank you, Lord, because I'm above all principality, all powers. All rulers of darkness are beyond control. They are, they are not beyond control. They are below your feet and because they are below your feet they are below mine they are not beyond control they are not beyond my 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 capability in christ they're not beyond your power they're not beyond what you've said they're not beyond your word you've overcome the condemnative force of the law you overcome every activity of Satan concerning me in christ all that you did was for me all that you did was for my salvation my security my blessing Glory to you, Father, in the highest. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we bless your name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Can you pray right now with me? Say in the name of Jesus Christ. I dismantle every wrong activity operating in my life due to deception. In the name of Jesus Christ, this very day, I dismantle every foul activity operating in my life due to the deceptive works of Satan, the deceptive uh, things are held as knowledge. I dismantle them. Knowledge is a platform. Ignorance is also a platform. So knowledge gives the platform for the right things to happen. Ignorance gives the platform for the wrong things to happen. Misinformation is worse than ignorance because misinformation disguises itself as knowledge and therefore people embrace it so heartily. But in the name of Jesus, as you pray, every misinformation in your life, every deception and everything that's brought, let those things be destroyed. Yes, I come against every work of misinformation, deception, ignorance. Everything that is operating in my life on the platform of deception be destroyed. And you pray for yourself this day. Somebody pray, pray and pray like someone who knows that your authority needs to be used in prayer. We dismantle. Yes, this very moment, I dismantle every work of the deceptive works of Satan. Every deceptive thing I've heard as knowledge, every deceptive talk, every misinformation that has allowed destruction, deception to work in my life. I say in the name of Jesus Christ, today they are scattered. They are uprooted in the name of Jesus Christ. They are scattered. They are uprooted. The devil's hold upon my life is broken. I break the hold of Satan over my life. I break the hold of Satan. I break the hold of Satan. In every area of my life, I break the hold of Satan. In the name of Jesus Christ, I hold fast to the truth of Jesus. The Bible says, you should hold fast. It says, when you don't hold fast to the head, every other lie gets into your life. Yes, I break every lie. I break every lie operating in my life. I hold fast to Jesus. I break every lie operating in my career, in my finances, in my ministry, in my family. I break every lie operating. Can you pray right now for the next one minute? I break every lie. Every lie be broken. Every lie operating in my life be broken. Every lie operating in my life be broken. Yes, every lie operating in your career, in your body, in your health, in your marital life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we break every lie. We break every lie. In the name of Jesus, we break every lie. Glory to God. Glory to God. We break every lie. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we say, Lord, by this word, I declare liberation to everyone under the sound of my voice. Be liberated from every lie of false doctrines. Be liberated from every lie of deceitful, deceitful men that disguised as prophets, as apostles, as men of God. Deliver from every occultic realm. Be delivered from every schema. Be delivered from every work of Satan that these people have allowed in your life. Be delivered from everything operating in your life due to misinformation and ignorance. Be delivered from every activity of Satan. This day I declare peace. Peace flood your life. Peace. This month I declare is a month of peace. Therefore, let peace flood everything concerning your life. This day and all through this month in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Please do all to 
honor God given an offering as I'll be posting the account details for the offering right now. I declare that everyone given just see this blessed multiplied back to you and use for the glory of God on earth in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Till I come your way again, my name remains Wale Adenero saying you're blessed, your favor, and a great, great Wednesday. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Bye. For thousands of years, thousands of voices have been singing one name. It started with 12 who were crazy enough to leave everything. Yeah. Misfits and doubters, outcasts and cowards, kinda like you and me. Have one thing in common, the one we follow. He's still the reigning king. Sing it with me now. Jesus, people all around the world stand up. For joining in to listen to this week's edition of Sound of Strength. We believe that you have been blessed. To find more teaching content from Wale Adeniron, go to 
www.bit.ly slash gracewise. It's your love and financial partnership that makes this possible. To give or become a financial partner of this ministry, please go to bit.ly slash godpartners. We love you and stay blessed. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.